Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 23. Today we're all about the sadicist Twitch meltdown, roster changes in Cloud9, SK, Liquid, Renegades, the V4 Sports Festival, and the future of FaZe. Are we rushing in, or are we going sneaky-beaky-like? So before we get stuck into an incredible amount of news that has been happening since the last pod, bit of domestic duties, had a had some correspondence from you, dear listeners, uh, one of you complaining that uh, I didn't report on the major that is now being held in London this year, the end of this year. Um, as for my opinion on that, I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> I didn't report on the clutch case. Um if you listen to the pod, you'll notice I don't really report on skins or cases because I couldn't give a flying F apart from mildly disliking the way they resemble the baseball cars of my youth in which I spent a lot of money and didn't get the holographic cards that actually I desired. Actually, it wasn't baseball. In my case, it was um, Batman. Batman, the original... Um, Tim Burton film. And I also had a letter from a a lovely listener reminding me that if I'm not having fun playing the game, then I shouldn't be playing it. This is Louie. He's 16 years old, loves the pod. Shouts to you, my friend. And it's a lovely reminder from you that it comes down to defining, you know, what it is that I find myself enjoying. Um, And it's really hard to uh, enjoy anything in life if you haven't defined that, if you haven't worked out your prefs. My issue... To be honest, hasn't really been that I don't enjoy playing the game. It's that the other things I set out for myself to do weren't getting done. They're now getting done. Hence, uh, hence this recording, squashing this pod in. Even though um, it's a busy weekend, things have changed since I started this podcast. Things are busier. Things are better. The landscapes also changed. There was nothing to listen to when I started this pod. Now there's plenty. Return of by the numbers is going hardcore. Rush bees kicking goals. Um, haven't heard much more from per sources, but I'm sure DK will be back. And in that sense, there's less reason for this podcast to exist. So perhaps the nature of it will change in the future. But um, enough navel-gazing. Let's get on to the news because it's so much going on. Imperial. Imperial have just won the Copenhagen... The uh, Imperial have just won the Copenhagen Games. You'll have to give me a little bit of a break on this one, ladies and gents. Been a big weekend. I do have a Colonial IPA in my hand. I do not condone drinking at all. I think it's terrible. People shouldn't do it. But if you're going to do it, Colonial IPA. It's an Australian uh, beer. Probably the best I've found. Anyway, Imperial have just won the Copenhagen Games. They beat a Yugi-free heroic. My man Rubino bottom-fragged out of control. My boy Real Nico official did his best, but Imperial ended up stomping them 2-1. It's a good run from them. On the way, they beat North, and the new, the new um, Taz-led Kingwin, who sort of did a bit of a poop in the bed. Early days for them still. They did manage to have a 2-0 upset over Sprout, but um, were stomped by Heroic on the other side of the bracket. Now, you might be asking, who are Imperial? And um, if you are, you'll be echoing my sentiment earlier today. Well, Imperial are actually formerly a team known as Man's Not Hot. And if you're a uh, HLTV lurker, you might have seen this team around. They're a mixed team. 
they're made up of um, a bunch of misfits, a bit of a ragtag collection, if you ask me, including Nexa, who was a top fragger in this tournament, um, who you might know from Renegades. So a um, bit of trivia here. Man's Not Hot is actually my seven-year-old nephew's favorite song. I tell a man's not hot. I tell a man's not hot. The girl told me, take off your jacket. I said, babe, man's not hot. Never hot. I tell a man's not hot. Never hot. I tell a man's I'd never heard of that song before until uh, my nephew introduced me to it. You know, getting old when your seven-year-old nephew has his finger on the pulse slightly more than you do. Now, first up, there's been a bit of a meltdown from Matthew Tribbett, a.k.a. Sadakist, on Twitch. If you're not familiar with Sadakist, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast, but he's, he's uh, half of the most popular casting duo in Counter-Strike, Henry G and Sadakist. And uh, old mate had a birthday, decided to get drunk and stream on Twitch. Bad move. Bad move being drunk in public in the days of um, the internet. And uh, called someone a nigger, a nigger, a, a fucking or a dirty, I forget, one of the two superlatives, uh, superlatives, adjectives, anyway, not exactly the best choice of adjectives to pair with said word. Um, he's been crucified online. He also was called out by Don Hassey or Don Hashi, the erstwhile trolling leaker of Counter-Strike Twitter and uh, his response to Hassie or Hashi was put a belt around your neck and, and uh, jump off a cliff, I think it was, or something similar to those regards. Something as in, uh, something along the lines of please seize your breathing and um, existence. Anyway, <clears throat> there's been a large call, f- you know, against Sadakis' behaviour because everybody loves to uh, show everybody else how anti-racist they are. Um, now, Sadikist hasn't yet come out and apologised. I assume that's coming soon. But until he comes out and says, hell yeah, KKK, white supremacy, long live David Duke, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and just assume that he was wasted AF. Um, there's been a bit of a comparison between his behavior and KNG's, but let's be honest, let's be real. KNG's debacle occurred over a period of time with several uh, stages to his communications with um, Thorin, uh, with the Immortals, with other players, with FNS, whereas Sadakist has thus far simply had a drunken rant. I don't think any of us want to see him out of the scene at this point. Um, so hopefully the less said about it, the better, and the the dude will, um, you know, do the requisite public apology, and we can all move on. Um, there was a bit of a scandal, I guess, too, because the Reddit uh, moderators were removing all the threads that referred to this behaviour. They've since come out and apologised for the double standards, because in the past, uh, behaviour of casters was not removed. For instance... The same Matthew Trivet, that very same Matthew Trivet who got drunk on stream and said something he shouldn't have when he bought 200 hamburgers for the fans who lined up all night to get into IEM Katowice. That was on the front page of Reddit for a good amount of time. So uh, there's not much more for me to say about this. I'm not going to add to the noise, as I was suggesting, and just simply condemn his behavior because condemning it, to me, 
feels like admitting that it's more complex than it is. It's obviously so simple and such a truism, as far as I'm concerned, that his behavior was idiotic, that why do you even need to come out publicly and condemn it? All you're doing, obviously, in my book, is signaling your status. And that's not what this podcast is about, right? I'm anonymous. I have no status. I'm a nobody. I don't need to tell you how I feel. Um, I do hope that uh, he stays casting with Mr. G because I would miss him. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to these roster changes because (laughs) there's quite a few of them and uh, they've come upon us rather quickly and rather suddenly and rather shockingly. Cloud9, who uh, won the major earlier this year, have somehow disintegrated before they could even place in a tournament again. And let's start with what began the reverberations and that was Taco leaving SK. SK, as we discussed, have not quite had the run of success that they've been used to leading up to the end of last year and uh, as has been noted Fallen who's rather a ruthless um, how should I put this exciser of non-performers on his team pointed to the nearest underperformer one can only assume and uh, it was Taco he did say publicly it's because he wanted to in a similar vein as Phelps but it's uh, it's unclear to me the reasoning is why would you why you would want to leave one of the most decorated CS:GO teams of all time, unless the other players were putting a lot of pressure on you. It now looks like Taco is going to Liquid to replace Steel. Steel has an HCL TV rating of uh, 0.97 currently, while every one of his teammates is above 1.1. So he hasn't been looking that sharp recently. It was nice to see him land on his feet after Immortals exploded on the launch pad. Uh, but if you can call Steel a support role, which I suppose he is, considering the star players on Team Liquid, then I assume you can safely say that Taco has more experience as a support player and is a bit of an upgrade. And um, Taco obviously lives in LA, not that far. One can only assume from Liquid players, although LA is a big place. And... Uh, Is this a good thing for SK, getting rid of Taco? Well, as we know by now, he's being replaced by Stewie2K. And uh, as we've said before, Stewie's a bit of the heart of the team of Cloud9. I firmly believed it was his competitive spirit that uh, pushed that team into the top level. And it was confirmed actually recently when I was looking at a at a, an Origins video about Skadoodle for this podcast as well. It was done by H- HTC last year where he said that Stewie came in in early 2016 and they were all sort of teaching him how to play and giving him tips on how to live and, you know, uh, coaching him on best practice techniques. And then pretty soon it became Stewie telling them how he thought they should play. And... Uh, Speculation as to why Stewie has made the move to SK starts with, for me, that it's possible he felt a disconnect between them because of this, that he felt he was better than them in his competitive sense. Felt like he knew that victory that they had at the major was possibly unrepeatable. Some people have called it lightning in a bottle. 
Uh, made more sense than that to me at the time. But maybe Stewie felt like he'd had to drag them kicking and screaming into that major, emotionally speaking. He did say in his twit longer about his ex-teammates that they've argued and they've gone through rough patches, but I enjoy being around you guys. <laughs> I enjoy being around you guys. Not exactly a glowing endorsement. Not exactly effusive praise. Mm. Not exactly a five-star Uber rating. Not exactly a super like. He said it was a last-minute decision that he felt he might have been betraying people, but that he feels he can unleash his potential under a strong leader. That's a direct quote, strong leader. So obviously Tarek wasn't that leader compared to Fallen. This would seem the most likely reason. Folks, when you hit the top in a field, you quickly look around for the next way you can learn something. It's all about learning. If you're motivated, you move on. You move to places you can learn. Stewie was the IGL of Cloud9 before Tarek, but it's not as if Tarek came in and revolutionized their play. They basically just did what they were doing before with Shroud and nothing, but at a higher skill level, as far as I can tell. Now, when SK opened their doors to Stewie, these are people he knows. He lives near them. They're proven entities. They're proven competitive on a level above NA players. They have a hunger and a motivation above NA players. We've talked about this before. Stewie is a similarly hungry, motivated mofo. Didn't want to rest on his laurels. He's an upgrader. It's part of his culture. He's looking for what the next stage is, what's better. I have a mate like him. And uh, bloke moved from Sydney to New York. Landed this amazing job. He had an amazing job in Sydney already. He was earning more than anybody I knew already. Moves to New York, gets an even better job. Six months later, he's got a new one. I've stopped even asking him what he's doing and which company he's working for. Because occasionally he will downgrade. He'll take a worse position or a pay cut. But every six months or so, he's leapfrogged to somewhere that uh, has given him a new experience, better learning environment. And um, dude's rich AF now. And uh, Stewie really reminds me of him. Let's remember, too, the Stewie we know about did a lot of things without his parents' approval. Signed his C9 contract without his parents' approval. Changed schools twice. Dude wants to win. DJF about the rest. Now, been a question raised about the roles because Taco, as we've mentioned, very well known for being the support role on SK, being a bit of the entry bitch into sites. And uh, Stewie doesn't exactly have a matching reputation. In fact, when I think of Stewie 2K, I think of basically one of the most aggressive puggy players ever. Someone who's just going to flash through smokes any chance he gets. And uh, we all know why they kicked Phelps, or at least the reason SK gave us for kicking Phelps, and that was because he was too aggressive. That his style's match with Fur was just too much aggression. So it's unclear how this will work, but... Possibly, Stewie wants a bit of uh, wants a bit of uh, supportive play, if you know what I mean. You know, I don't, I don't see SK changing their roles to fit him, and it's possible that he feels like if he's sitting under Fall in the system and doing everything that Fallen wants him to do, he's going to learn from that guy faster than if he's like, you know what, I'll entry this site, I'll take a site. Uh, and, and taking on more responsibilities than the other more aggressive players like uh, Fur. Now, whether Bolts' 
position will change and he'll become even more supportive because Stewie comes in remains to be seen. The other big point, possibly even more important, is that as far as I know, SK communicated entirely in Portuguese when they're playing. At least they did it at uh, IEM Sydney when I saw them live. As far as I know as well, Stewie doesn't speak Portuguese. So this means that four players are going to change their in-game communications for one player. And it seems like a bit of a large change in-game. I'm not multilingual. I speak a modicum of Japanese, a smattering of French. (coughs) So I don't know what it would be like, actually, to change your comms. But uh, considering how frantic and ridiculous comms can be just in your native language, to then give you the extra millisecond of hesitation that it might take in translating your native tongue into someone else's, I, I feel like this isn't a good idea. Uh, who could they have picked up instead of Stewie 2K? Um, well, as we talked about, Elige was available, supposedly. Spoke Portuguese, was in talks with them. Uh, I think he would have made a great addition. Um, from the Brazilian scene, I really don't know it that well. Obviously, none of the ex um immortals players i think they played with bolts and steel in the past still hasn't been doing it even well enough on liquid so i couldn't see him going back to sk um and any anyone else would have had the same language barrier so perhaps this is the best they could have done i'd be very interested to see how it works out now the other bizarre thing that happened at the same time of as uh, stewie announcing his departure from Cloud9 is the fact that Tyler Latham, a.k.a. Skadoodle, a.k.a. Skadaddy, a.k.a. the Orpa of Cloud9, has announced that he's stepping down from the roster. Said on his Twitter he's not playing CSGO anymore. The future is uncertain. Which kind of feels like he's retiring. Possibly. Seemed like, from the outside, a huge effort of that man to win the major. He is not the flashiest player. Uh, fairly up and down. He's been at Cloud9 since 2015 after escaping unscathed from the eye by power throwing scandal. Uh, and some... Um, let me just give you a little rundown of uh, Skadoodle uh, facts that I found on Liquipedia for your benefit. He was the 20th best player in 2015 on HLTV. He has six brothers and two sisters, and one of his brothers is a twin Uh, He built houses with his dad out of school. And he was a 2010 AVA world champion. If you don't know AVA, it's a bit like uh, Combat Arms, one of those free-to-play shooters that tries to rake in its money from um, in-game purchases. That was how he transitioned to CSGO. And uh, the guy had the most amount of group stage exits out of anyone in the scene before he won the major. He had eight. So... This boy from Iowa hasn't done too badly for himself. Perhaps like George Costanza, he's leaving the room on a high. It'll be a shame to see him go. Out of all of the Cloud9 players, I actually found him the most... I don't know if I'd say endearing, because it wasn't like he was charismatic. But uh, he did have a certain dignity about about him. And... uh, 
uh, it'll be sad to see him go if he does go, and hopefully he'll hang around the scene. I'm sure he's got a lot to teach the younger player. I mean, the dude basically peaked at the age of, um, what was he, probably 20, 22. Well, he, he kind of peaked around 2015, or at least that's uh, what they say. Um, and to have a sort of a career crowning achievement of winning the major and uh, sticking with Cloud9 all that time. Sure, the guy learned a lot, especially about um, motivating yourself, staying motivated, reinventing yourself. Uh, he copped a lot of criticism along the way too. I think you'd be a, a valuable addition as a coach to any North American team or perhaps even just a, uh, just a portable daddy. Just someone who uh, travels with the team, you know, wears a suit, carries a sort of a daddy briefcase and uh, just provides comfort to the younger players. Uh, now, the replacements for these boys... This, this this gaping hole that has been left in uh, Cloud9, this yawning moor. Uh, the rumours are Exist and JDM. Now, Exist, as we know, was booted from NIP. It's been a free agent since Feb. Uh, so this might mean that C9 will be finally getting a proven IGL. And uh, proven, sure, was a while ago. Uh, he's had a bit of a flack, uh, a bit of flack for a couple of years because he hasn't been able to give NIP a victory really of any significance apart from IEM Oakland 2016 and 17. Now, can all that be laid at his feet? Surely not. Surely not. All teams get stale. Is Exist to NIP an exciting move? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, it feels a little random. A little bit. It smacks a little bit of Freiburg on Optic. It's like, okay, he's around, he's available. Is he really going to fit in with the culture? I don't know. Dude is like competing with uh, Mixwell, Naf. Um, who else are the other statuesque motherfuckers? Uh, he's, let's, let's put it this way. He wouldn't be nicknamed Smiley. Uh, so, you know, whether he'll fit in with the kind of the jokey, bro-y, laddie culture that uh, Cloud9 seems to have... I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he's a fun guy. Maybe he's a, a really fun guy. <laughs> uh, behind closed doors. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of Steve Martin's wild and crazy guy routine. And the next move that was all but confirmed on his own stream is JDM to Cloud9. Unless dude was baiting, he said uh, the future, the forecast is looking cloudy. Now, this is nice for JDM. I like him. I've got time for him. He seems like a dude. He's been without a team since being kicked from Liquid. Now, I advocated at the time that he should leave, and I won't lie. Uh, he wasn't performing as well as the others. I didn't see him really being as good as the others, in fact. I didn't see the skill there. possible he got stale in that team. It's possible that there was something in the personality mix. Uh, he didn't seem to have the versatility specifically with rifles that other orpers like Naf has. Um but there is an opinion floating out there that perhaps JDM wasn't being used as well as he could have been. Uh, you know, perhaps a different team will mean a different direction for this guy, a different uh, surge of motivation. Perhaps he'll stop lounging. Remains to be seen. I don't know whether this is necessarily going to be the sort of lineup that you would stick with for a long time. Um, it doesn't seem long-sighted getting in a Swedish player 
to IGL, a North American team. It seems like a temporary measure. I don't know why. I just don't feel like Counter-Strike is exactly sort of the same. I don't, I don't, feel, like, I don't feel like it operates in the same way as, for instance, a hockey team would operate where you can get in a bunch of foreigners and... Uh, and they can sort of happily live in a, in a, in another country, and perhaps it's because there's only five people on a team, right? So you've got four teammates and one coach. Whereas, for instance, if you think about a hockey team or a basketball team or a soccer team, there's so many people there. You're bound to have one really good friend, right? But if Exist doesn't really have one really good friend in this team, dude's gonna get pretty lonely pretty quickly. Uh, and loneliness makes a big diff. Makes a big diff. You know, we should talk about loneliness and Counter-Strike. I feel like that's a, an episode of a podcast uh, to come. Now, next big rumors are Renegades. Uh, according to sources, including HLTV, Dust2, Nell, and Rushby, Renegades are about to have a big change too, with one of the Aussies potentially getting the boot from that uh, team. Now, Nifty as well is apparently in talks with Cloud9. So if he were to go, obviously, either JDM or Exist would not be moving to said team. But um, one of the Aussies, if, you, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the nationalities of the boys as a jks and you still are the aussies nifty's the american jkm's from uh i don't know where he's from actually actually you know what i'm going to look that up live on the podcast he's from norway there you go anyway one of those boys might be leaving still as or a jks talks uh, apparently are swirling about ricky an ex-CLG player who gets a lot of love from an analyst at this moment, uh, potentially coming back. He used to be in Renegades up until the end of 2016, so to see him come back would be nice. I don't actually know the correct way to spell his name because every time I look at it, R-I-C-K-E-H, it sounds like Cartman saying Ricky. It's like, Ricky! Ricky! Anyway, if you're still or Azza or JKS were to to leave, it would be difficult to imagine who would be replacing them at this point. And I think Renegades, with their transfer of NAF to Liquid, are sort of in danger of becoming a bit of a talent farm right now. Unless they pick up a bunch of -of out-of-work pros, they're probably looking at some more up-and-coming talent. I actually don't think that would be such a bad idea. There aren't many teams with the sort of support and reputation of their organization right now that are taking enough of a chance on up-and-coming talent. We've seen quite a few ex-pros or ex... uh, How should I say it? Ex... Well, pros out in the in the wilderness being snapped up by other teams. I mean, if Exist happens, there you go. There's one. We've had Dennis. We've had Rubino. Um, I would like to see this team take a chance on someone new, specifically an Aussie. Get another boy out there. I'm sure we've got some talent uh, in the wings. One of the order boys, perhaps one of those loose lads. Um, anyway, Azza and JKS apparently have been with the squad since 2015, June 2015. Now, that is a long time to be in a team where your best result, as far as I can tell, was winning Star Ladder I-League Invitational last year. And let's face it, in that tournament, they basically had to beat Hellraisers and Virtus Pro. And Virtus Pro was sort of in a little slump. So future is in doubt for the boys. Now, I believe they have a slot at IEM Sydney. Is that true? All right, live lookup on Liquipedia 
of my facts. Let's have a look. I am Sydney. I do the hard yards for you guys, you know, so you don't have to. This is how much I care. Um, who have we got? Yeah, Renegades, the boys. Right, they're going to be there. So who are they going to be there with? That's a big quest, Yon. Um, it'll be ashamed if the Aussies are going to be whittled down further out of this team. They're basically a Detroit organization at this point. Uh, but it's nice to see some of the boys floating around the big scene. Um, finally, on the transfer news is Smuya, the UK player who's apparently going to big. I don't know anything about Smuya. I'm not going to pretend. Um, let's see how he goes on the team. And uh, it would be nice to see Big back in a competitive form. Let's move on to the V4 Future Sports Festival. Now, once again, we're a few days late with this one. I just can't get onto the uh, potties as quick as I used to. But um, this was a bit of an anomaly of a, of a tournament. Kind of flew under the radar a bit. If you're confused by what was going on, it was held in Budapest, the uh, erstwhile capital of Hungary. And uh, I believe it was a tournament for people of that region and thereabouts. Uh, now, semis. This is where I got a semi. Uh, FaZe versus Virtus Pro. Virtus Pro somehow were in the semis. We had three maps? Two maps. Only two maps in this. First map was Cash. I'm just going to go through these games like a boss, like I used to. VP went up 7-0 in the first half. Then FaZe came back 8-7. And I think um, if you want to check out some rounds from this festival... I would check out round 19 in the semis. Phase versus Virtus Pro of Cash. VP were up 10-8 and Mihu snuck in on the A-bomb site into Forklift. I would watch his POV for a lesson on entry fragging uh, into the A-site. Beautiful stuff. Um, I would say that Nico and Olaf were not quite in positions that gave them full view of everything. But the stuff that Mihu was doing was very, very fun to watch. And probably a good lesson for you cash monsters who have a hard time working out what to do once perhaps they've smoked A-Main or you've smoked Forklift and Quad and uh, perhaps are a little bit worried about who might be heaven or whatnot. So check that one out. VP finally ground this map out to win it 16-14. That's right. They beat Phase 16-14. Then the second map, Nuke, first half went to 8-7 again. And uh, VP went on to win it 16-10. So, Virtus Pro, who were all but a dying carcass of a hippopotamus up until, let's see, three, four weeks ago, have somehow won a 2 nil series against FaZe. And uh, I would say on Nuke, particularly Nico was getting caught out in a few situations where he was facing three different angles. I didn't think he was familiar enough with Nuke, perhaps, but possibly more importantly than that, something resonated with me when I saw an interview with Guardian. He was talking about communication and communication being part of their issue and part of why they lost the major. He's saying in the final rounds of games like the major, they all talk over each other. So the very first thing actually that we wondered about what might have been happening on that team once Olaf and Guardian came in turns out to have been the issue after all. Five different personalities, big personalities, and, um, you know, 
more than one language involved. Uh, do I think this bodes particularly badly for FaZe? No, I don't. Do I think it bodes particularly bad, badly for VP? No, I don't. Virtus Pro beat them in Epicenter last year. That was a 2-1 victory. And um, we all know that FaZe are mortal. And if Virtus Pro can kind of hit their straps, they can beat anybody still, it would appear. Now, the other semis map series that was played was Mouseports versus Hellraisers. And I haven't been following Hellraisers too much. I've been had a bit, bit more of a beady eye on Mouseports. But Hellraisers just didn't feel as skilled as Mouseports in this series. This was also a 2-0. First map was Mirage. Hellraisers was just missing sort of more shots. I didn't feel like Dead Fox, who was holding B with an orb, was holding quite like he should have and quite as well as he should have. And the team was sort of out-positioned a few times. You know, there was a few times when no one was watching Connector, for instance. And I think it was a shame Hellraiser's put up a very good fight. They're a very uh, competent team. And in particular, Woxic had some great moments. He's been getting a lot of uh, attention lately. And he showed why he is on this map. Um, he's a very aggressive AWPer. But he doesn't quite feel on the same level as other Tier 1 AWPers like Guardian. However, I would say he seems very, very handy on the rifle. Uh Mouseports won Mirage. Then the next map was Cobblestone. And uh, this is a lesson for all you puggers out there. This is a little eco that Mouseports did. And I would suggest you check it out. Because if you are on Cobble, sometimes you know if you're on the CT side and you've got an eco, there's basically nothing you can do. It's very hard to hold drop, for instance. It's very hard to hold the B-bomb side, even if you stacked it when you're just on pistols. So I would check out round three. Mouseports are on the eco. They're on CT side. And they all basically gang up outside mid-doors, and one pop flash brings them out. Then they got two kills with the USPs. Sticko picked up an AK and won the 1v3, which was obviously due to an incredible amount of skill on his behalf. However, uh, if you get that pop flash right, you get the timing right. And, you know, it's possible that this is a better strat than it sounds because often if the team knows you're on an eco, they'll just go for the easy mid-rush, right? If you're T-side, you're like, you know what, let's not even bother with the, all those hidden corners on B and getting surprised with perhaps a Zeus or a CZ. Let's just go the the, 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 the bomb site that has the longest angles, therefore where we're probably going to win the most duels. We can just probably push straight down into mid. We don't have to play slow. So if you do one pop flash out, you've got five people there with a USP. Chances are you can get at least one kill. If you keep moving, you can get a gun and possibly be the hero like Sticko. Woxic also had an amazing game on Cobblestone, um, but Mouseports proved too strong. Now the grand finals came down to Virtus Pro and Mouseports. Very exciting. And it went to three maps. Now, the first map was Mirage. And Mouseports have been called the kings of Mirage right now. And although I think people are figuring out their strats a bit, they still basically dominate. And I'm going to give a lot of tips this this um, potty. You know, it's been a little while since I've given some tips. So for a tip on Mirage, I would say, if you're like me, and you have a little bit of trouble on entering into the A-bomb site, there's so many angles you got to check, sometimes a bit overwhelming, Check out Rops's POV for a masterclass on entering into the A-bomb site. Dude has it down. And uh, I'm sure you can pick up some good tips from that guy. He's very, very sneaky. And the way he repositions himself just in the mouth of A-bomb site and once he's on site, 
beautiful stuff. It's a, it's a lovely talent to watch. Check out his POV of that. Uh, I think as well when they're on the CT side, Mouse Sports just have an incredible double orb setup going right now that just seems almost unbeatable, which means Chris J goes short with an orb and Oscar works, uh, works wonders in top mid. Because basically if Oscar can't get the first pick top mid or is smoked out or whatever, Chris J is there to follow up. And how do you get mid control against that? Well, you might say you go unders, right? But you're only getting unders if you smoke top mid, and by that point, Oscar's basically in connector, and he's picking you coming out uh, unders. So I think this is going to be the go-to meta for Mirage in the near future. I don't see how anybody wouldn't want to give this a go. I mean, it's uh, it's not necessarily that common to have two orpers of such high caliber um, or such similarly high caliber as Chris J and Oscar, but... Um, there are at least a few teams. Now, Mirage was taken by Mouse Sports. Cobblestone, however, the second map, went 16-2 to Virtus Pro. Absolutely dominant. And um, I guess one of the nice things about this is that Snack seems like he's coming to life a bit again, having some sneaky rounds here and there, going down drop. Also, uh, our beloved Bialy continued his solid reappearance on the scene. You know, it's only a matter of time before our boy... He's back on top. He's got to be the best M4A1S player. Um, Pasha was beasting. Had an amazing hardcore flick onto Stiko. If you saw the mat, you saw the match, you'll know what I'm talking about. So it seemed like Virtus Pro were in with a chance here, but then we went to Train, and Train went the way of Mouse Sports in the end, even though VP were up 14 to 9. Yeah. Ended up 16-14 to Mouse Sports. And what was clear in this map was that the experience of the individual players of Virtus Pro is still very formidable. And clutch situations, they're just phenomenal. They make players that seem very unlikely. But for team strats, cohesion, and trading, Mouse Sports, they're like a little bundle of gel right now. They're like, um, what's that Disney movie with uh, Robin Williams? Mm. Flubber. Mouse sports are basically the flubber of CSGO. Rops is a prodigy. Oscar's a bit of a wild card, but very scary. Um, actually, in October last year, in an interview with Double Tap, Oscar said he'd been on the international scene for 10 years and never once achieved top 20. Oscar was on in the international scene for 10 years, never achieved top 20. He is now ranked 17. Whatevs. Whatevs, my friend. Talk about a, I don't know, a a lesson in not giving up, right? Sonny's very skilled, especially with a deagle. I don't think he's the most cerebral player by that. I mean, there was a few times in this uh, tournament I saw him take some fights he shouldn't have in ways perhaps he shouldn't have taken them, rushing on to do the retake by himself, for instance. But uh, Sonny does look like the lead soprano in a 90s boy band, so... He gets the star points in my book. Now, Chris J, as I said, last step, beasting out of control in his ever-present rain jacket. Not only is a secondary orper, but also a rifler. And then Sticko, the much maligned Sticko, actually came through in a fair few clutches and with some sweet, sweet and salty Deagle Ecos. And I can see why Sticko might have had a bit of criticism in the past because sometimes he's a bit wild with his aim. Seems like adrenaline gets the better of him. He finds himself next to someone and sprays all over the shop. Uh, and has some terrible fluffs. But I think he's making up for making up for it uh, in the main 
for the most part, with his positioning. Dude had like several chances for dirty, dirty backstabs in this tournament. And you only get to have dirty backstabs if you're playing smart Counter-Strike. As for Virtus Pro, uh, they were playing much better than we've seen them in a long time. Although, you know, to be honest, this is kind of what happened at Epicenter, kind of what happened at Blast, kind of what happened at Star Ladder, uh, the one that Renegades met, uh, won that I mentioned. You know, they turn up, and Pasha said in an interview the same thing. They raise their level when they're playing against top-tier teams in a high-pressure environment. This is nothing new. And it may sound ridiculous, but not only is their LAN record so much better than their online record, they've achieved basically everything a CSGO team can achieve. So while it's nice to see the addition of Mishu, um, you know, will this team go on to bigger and better things? I don't know. There is something sad. There's something that's died with the departure of Taz. I know I have a tendency to relate CSGO team lineup changes to my own relationship issues, which may be an unhealthy thing. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's not. Relationships are complex. And um, I guess talking about our own relationships is difficult because they're in the eye of the storm. So it helps perhaps to use analogies to um, you know, triangulate our way out of them to get perspective. I remember in my last relationship of several years, the girl said she didn't want to deal with the issues I had. Basically, that was her prerogative. You know, can't argue with that. But as I said to her at the time, this was the point where if we wanted, we actually began a real relationship. And up until then, up until that point, all we'd had was really a fairly sophisticated infatuation. And, uh, and, an, and a relationship in which we could successfully hide our faults and pretend we didn't have them or we were working on them, but that we love the other person's faults. In other words, if we decided at that point to continue the relationship, we would have been accepting the other person's humanity, which goes along with the acceptance of the idea that we're all human. We all have faults. And to simply switch to the next person would meet a similar confrontation with their humanity. What I'm saying is at some point, you're going to have to accept the imperfection of another person if you want to have a relationship of any depth. And that was what was so much fun about the Virtus Pro lineup. At some point, it was like the more they lost, the hungrier I got to see whether they could work out their issues and return to form. And uh, I think I think I like that. I think that appeals to me because, as a man, as a sensitive man, as you guys would know, I find something romantic in the idea of doing what you said you would do and sticking to someone when you say you would stick to them and uh, valuing loyalty over money and valuing friendship over money and valuing a continuity in your life story over the next paycheck. I don't know whether I read too many um, adventure books growing up or um, it could, could even be a Catholic thing. I was uh, educated by the Jesuits. That could be it. But anyway, um, I don't like the shilling for their uh, for their kicking of players. To me, that just, you know, I actually liked the fact that they stuck together more than I disliked the fact that they lost. It took me a while to enunciate that, but there it is. I liked the fact that they stuck together more than I disliked the fact that they lost. Wow. 
You know what I've just realized? My parents divorced when I was 25. And I look at that relationship and I go, why didn't you divorce a lot sooner? Because it was a pretty toxic relationship for quite some time. And when I think about what my dad said, which was, well, you know, we were married. And I think about what my mum said, which was, well, we were married, you know, we were married for the kids. It seems so egregiously wrong. And yet here I am with the same sentiment. Perhaps I'm in a bit of a conundrum now. Because I think my parents definitely should have split up earlier. And yet here I am advocating for Fertus Pro to have stayed together, despite the fact that it could have been the most toxic environment. <sighs> well, there's a difference, I guess, you know, whether you're a part of something or whether you're observing it. I can't know. I can't know what was going on. I can't know what was best for them. I guess all I can say is as a fan, I would have loved them to stay together. But uh, things change. I've talked myself into a personal hole again. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the next group and the next uh, topic, which is kind of along the same lines. And that is about the call for FaZe to change their lineup. Now, since it seems like uh, FaZe have established a bit of a pattern of not winning finals, of getting to the semis and then choking in the last game. There's been a lot of talk for a phase roster change, a lot of calls for a roster change, mostly on the intellectual cesspit of the HLTV forums. That sewage pipe of prepubescent moaning, that digital embodiment of an adolescent call for help. That classroom with a substitute teacher who's lost all control. That maze of sexual frustration wrapped up in the repetition of kindergarten memes. Lots of call for a phase roster change on there. Olaf and Carrigan are the most popular uh, scapegoats. As if the two of them have had nothing to do with the massive, monstrous success that FaZe have had over the past year. As if they've been carried along for the ride like, you know, those friends who jump in the taxi and then proclaim they've got no cash. In particular... Uh, Thorin has been calling them for them, for them to disband, believing uh, they've run their course, that lineups run their course. Look, Thorin's a shit stirrer, just as he was with VP. He's a contrarian. He's an extremist in his views because the more extreme he gets with them, the more controversial he is, the more people give him attention. And, uh, you know, fair enough. He's making a living out of it. And uh, I like a lot of what, what he puts out. Let's remember, though, that these face guys, they're number one, right? They're still number one. And uh, I, I, I very much agree with the idea of adding a sports psychologist. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last step. And I say, I say this is probably primarily for Nico's benefit. And, uh, you know, I'm prone to some hardcore speculation on this podcast. And... Um, I'm not going to disappoint you with this section because I've been looking at uh, Nico's Instagram and I feel like that's a dude that's slightly off the rails. You know? This is a massive assumption and it's based on some fairly high-level <clears throat> status signaling photos. And Nico's Instagram strikes me as particularly shallow compared to some of the other pros. It's all partying. It's showing off his watch. Uh, it's showing off pretty girls. 
it's showing off the fact that he's having fun. And look, let me let me let me qualify this. I don't mean that Nico's shallow. I don't know the guy, uh, but it's possible that he's being allowed to indulge in a fairly shallow existence. Right? Dude's only twenty, and it's very understandable. Uh, that this might be the case. He's worth a lot of money to a lot of people in terms of sponsorship and tournament prizes. And that means that sometimes you can get surrounded by yes people who indulge you in whatever you want. And with his schedule, I could very much understand if he didn't get regular contact with people who kept him honest, who kept him grounded, who reminded him of who he is, who knocked off his rough edges, all of the good stuff in life, right? Family, childhood, friends. So, if FaZe were to get a sports psychologist, I think it would be for his benefit primarily. Whether or not it would work is another issue because the guy's been defeated as the second coming of the Counter-Strike Christ. And psychologists really only work on you uh, if you're interested in changing but for those that don't really understand what a sports psychologist does, if FaZe were to bring on a sports psychologist, it would run along these sorts of lines. Um, firstly, addressing what it is that the players are saying to themselves and making sure that whatever that voice is, it's, it's, it's positive and it's directed towards goals. And then it's also making sure that they're only listening to that voice and the voices of their teammates. So... It's possible that they're telling themselves toxic or negative things, right? That they're not good enough, that they're that they're not as good a player as they're supposed to be because they missed that shot or they screwed up that tournament or whatever. So working out what it is, what that voice is saying in their head, when that occurs, at what points, and changing the language involved in those in that dialogue in your head, right? So instead of saying, <clears throat> I should have hit that shot, just going, Well, I tried my best. And next time I'll try my best to, and I'll probably hit it, right? And and this language changing, which is sort of has its roots in something called neuro-linguistic programming, uh, is really only useful if someone's defined their goals very clearly in the steps they're going to take to get there. And so that would be the first step. But making things small enough on that journey is very important so they don't get overwhelming. And uh, FaZe have had such massive success so quickly there's a large amount of pressure on them to live up to a story, right? They're the best assembled talent right now that they should be winning everything that a tournament is theirs to lose. So which means they're getting none of the credit for winning tournaments, but all of the hatred for losing them, which is, which is very, very tough, right? So changing that narrative in their own minds so they're competing for what they want and not what others say they should be is vital, and it also means that when they do win something, they can completely own it, you know? So when they win ECS Season 4, that isn't a victory for their fans. It's not a victory that shows the fans that they've got what it takes. It's purely a victory of theirs. It's what they set out to do. It's what they've been trying to do. And they have now achieved that goal. So that, I think, is, is a perfectly reasonable idea for what might be uh, of assistance to phase going ahead. But like I said, whether Nico will be receptive to that is another thing. It might also be that they are in that position of which I was referring to in terms of being in a relationship where you're not quite being honest. 
and uh, there may be a messy breakup coming, you know? There may be a messy breakup where someone accuses someone else of not quite uh, pulling their own weight. And if that were to happen, the most likely scenario would probably be the younger players accusing the older players of being a certain way that is being damaging to the team. So let's say um, it might be Nico, it might be Rain accusing, say, Carrigan or Olaf Meister or Guardian of being inflexible, of not being good enough with the strats, uh, of not being versatile enough or holding a bombsite. And if this team then turns around and goes, you know what, we're going to work through this, we're going to work through it no matter what, and Nico or Rain or whoever it is that's called this out and says they're unhappy with it, if they can then swallow whatever voices are telling them that they're the you know God's gift to Counter-Strike, then FaZe will actually start becoming a real team and emerge from this fantasy infatuation. <laughs> I don't know how I continually uh, manage to... Um, make comparisons between Counter-Strike teams and my previous relationships, but uh, uh, somehow it happens. <laughs> um, now, just before we finish this podcast, because I always like to finish when I've disappeared furthest up my butthole, a um, few things. IEM Sydney is looking very, very stacked, <clears throat> and that's exciting. Australia's just beat VP to qualify, and I would have loved to see VP, obviously, but fuck yeah, because Australis, we're at the last one. We're going to see Australis, we're going to see SK, we're going to see FaZe, we're going to see Fnatic, we're going to see Cloud9, Na'Vi, Renegades, NRG have just qualified. Big ups to them. They've been doing great recently. This is going to be one of the most stacked IEMs. I'm looking forward to it so much. There is no Toxic Player of the Week this week because the trust factor is kicking us. And the next big tournament we've got coming up is DreamHack Masters Marseille. Now, I don't even know who's at this. I think this is quite stacked too. Let's have a look. This is real time, folks. This is live reporting. I'm hacking into the mainframe. I'm uploading the modem. And we have Ninjas in Pajamas, Envious, Astralis, Cloud9, FaZe, Fnatic, Gambit, Liquid, G2, Mouse Sports, Jesus Christ, Space Soldiers, Valiance, SK, and Tai Lu. All right, so it's even more stacked than um, I am Sydney. I should have looked that up. It's now made me a bit jealous. Um, we're going to have <coughs> Machine on the Desk. We're going to have Sponge. We're going to have Yanko. We're going to have Mabay Guerras, Stunner, Vince Hill. Fuck yeah. Henry G, Sadikist, Anders Moses, some guy called Blair. Oh, it's Blair. I like that guy too. Um, that's going to be exciting. Let's look forward to that. And in the meantime... If you want to get in touch, you can send me an email. I now have a website, by the way, B's and G's. It is thetruthcsgo.com. And you can email me at thetruthcsgo. No, wait. <laughs> you can email me. You can email to. This always this always confuses me because I say at, but there's another at. So you can email to thetruth at thetruthcsgo.com. And you can check out the website thetruthcsgo.com there we go and you can tweet me at thetruthcsgo <laughs> um, so there's a lot of truth and there's a lot of CSGO in there 
In the meantime, before the next pod, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes that helps people find my podcast. Apparently, I've disappeared off something called Podcast Addict. So if you listen to this on SoundCloud and you have an Android phone, don't bother with Podcast Addict. I don't know what moron invented that, but uh, get it on Stitcher. That's the one you should have on your phone. All right, enjoy the game. Enjoy the game.